Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the Modalidades on BTV, you can now catch the recaps and also Modalidades talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between uh, Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. What's up, everybody? Alex Xero from Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, the fan. You're listening to Alfredo, Chris, and Dave on the Benfica podcast. Ser Benfica é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talk to the Dog Benfica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasas. With you, as always, every Tuesday, my partners in crime, Cristiano Oliveira. Cristiano, um, back in your clubbing days, were you going out with guy? Were you going out to clubs with guys that look like uh, El Nino Torres? Yes, I'm telling you. By the way, what's going on, everybody? Thank you once again for tuning into the Benfica podcast. Hello, David. Hello, Alfredo. And I tell you, El Nino Torres has put on some weight. Let me tell you, when I was going to the clubs back in the days, he was the bouncer. He wasn't hanging out. That dude's jacked up. Pants are a little tight, but he's jacked up. Dave Oliveira, do you think he got tired of people calling him El Nino? Now they want him to call him El Oak? El, maybe El Toro. Maybe he's felt like a, a, yeah. a bull, that guy. Yeah, he's Shocked to see how he uh, he's looking, but yeah, I agree with Cristiano. Those guys uh, were the more of the bouncers, definitely not the uh, the crowd yeah. that we were going to the club with. But those guys were uh, kicking uh, the people out of the club. Might be, be back on tonight. You, know, you might be on from El Nino to El Hombre right now. Is El Hombre. <laughs> <laughs> the pants were tight though. The camel toe was pretty bad, but hey, look, credit. I, I wasn't man. looking at that, dude. It's impossible. It's hard to miss. I mean, he's like, you. I'm just like dumb. a. Su- like what a cyclist, hell? I'm just wondering what the hell he was wearing. I'm like, what the? And I'm trying to make like, is this real? I'm trying to at first, at first sight, I thought it was photoshopped. I'm like, this ain't. And I'm I'm trying to get a good vision to see. And, and dude, that dude is just he's jacked. Yeah, up. he's ripped. Dude. Credit to him. Um, no, he's got nothing, plenty of money to just sit at home and work out all day. So, <laughs> Dave, how's uh, how are things going your way? Uh, not too bad. You know, I was feeling positive you know i think a little bit of cristiano rubbed off on me and then you know i woke up to this uh this covid craze that's uh hit our, our club again but 
we'll get into that uh, more, but, you know, take it day by day as, uh, as we've been doing for the last uh, couple of months now. Yeah. That's all you can do. We're, uh, we're up to episode number 394 and on episode 394, we'll look back at uh, Benfica uh, or Porto Benfica game that took place this, uh, this past Friday. And we'll also look ahead at, the league cup which we have the semi-final tomorrow as we record this and then if we get past braga on a semi-final tomorrow we will face sporting on sunday which uh, dispatched uh, porto in the last uh, eight minutes of that game isn't it saturday it's, it's saturday. saturday it's saturday Sorry. saturday my when cristiano oh, has to keep me on my toes i don't know what's going on there fredo did you know did you know after today's podcast, we're a Paulo Souza away from 400. No. <laughs> so it's 394, right? So you got 395, 394 we were too positive. I went for a tie, which ended up being the result. And I think uh, Cristiano didn't want to commit to one particular result. He just said two one. No, but uh, I committed on the Twitter podcast, on the Twitter, on the podcast Twitter handle. As I said, a man of my word. About twenty minutes prior to the game, I did say I expect Benfica to win two to one. Uh, very close, but uh, you got the draw, not the final score. You did, by the way, for those of you listening, Alfredo was this week's or last week's, I should say, last week's Chicken Fingers uh, uh, award, the, the champion winner, I should say, because he did predict the draw. It's 2-2, but he got the 1-1. So, Alfredo, I hope you enjoyed the Chicken Fingers. There was no uh, mustard on the side, but, uh, you know, hey, still Chicken Fingers is, is a hell of an award. So, congratulations. You're the fifth recipient. I thought the uh, the awards that we give out on the show, it's like uh, the major contests where you hear the disclaimer on the radio where it says employees of uh, station X, Y, Z are not are not <laughs> eligible for this uh, for this prize. And now here we, you go against all the rules. Well, you gave me the I thought we established when 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 we named the award after me, right, we, that I was going to be the one not after me, but I was going to be the one awarding the Chicken Fingers Award. Um that I, I made my own rules. I thought we forgot about that. That's it's true. Word. I make my own rules and I decided to give it to you. I mean, there's not much else going on in the world today. So uh, I, I thought you were a worthy recipient. You did call a draw. Um, and that's what's important. And I mean, I think it would have passed until you you just burned yourself. You didn't have to say. You know, yeah. I'm very appreciative of the award, Cristiano. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't prepare an acceptance speech. Uh, but in yes. your living room? Did you eat the chicken thing and just leave the bucket up? What'd you do? Not in my living room. I ate them. <laughs> but the bucket? What'd you do with the bucket? The bucket? Uh, I don't know. You don't, oh, okay. That's 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 the whole key to it. It's not the chicken <laughs> thing. It's really the bucket. <laughs> so anyway, um, we weren't feeling too confident. Uh, but the one thing that uh, that we, we we felt that the team could do uh, would be to approach this game with a with a never say die attitude. And I think that 
uh, from the very start, that's what we saw from this team. Uh, Vlakodimus was in goal. Uh, Gilberto Otamendi, Vertonghen and Tavares. Uh, Rafa, Weigel, Pizzi, Grimaldo, Seferovic and Darwin. Let's let's start with this lineup, right? Because you look at this lineup and said, oh no, here we go again. George Zeus is having another David, David Luiz moment. Uh, when he put David Luiz at, at left back, and that kind of backfired on him. Cristiano, thoughts uh, when you saw this lineup? Yeah. Um, again, Dave mentioned it before, but you know, 2021 positive Cristiano. I tried to, you know, catch my breath a little bit after I initially saw it. I, I said, "What?" what I, I, uh, and I didn't want to really start jumping into conclusions and and I try to block away those memories as you mentioned with the Louise and so many other instances when we go into the Dragão and, and, and Jesus seems to pull a rabbit out of his ass and, and you know invent something um I try to stay positive to be brutally honest with you I wasn't too negative on it I was surprised don't get me wrong uh but you know again I, as I've said here on the podcast many times I I believe in JJ um and I just going into that game. Look, it's I was just hoping for the best, to be brutally honest. Yeah, and David, it was one of those games uh, where you see something like this, and and you you try to stay positive, and and you think, all right, well, yeah, the guy's either a genius or he's just this is gonna end up all wrong. And from the experience that we had, obviously, wasn't the best uh, record that he's had with that. But really, this is something where a coach's acumen comes into play, right? So he ID'd uh, the threat from Marega. Marega yeah. running down the, the line, getting and behind the fen- right, getting getting behind defenders, and then just basically either uh, outrunning, outmuscling uh, Grimaldo. So what does he do? Moves up Grimaldo, puts Tavares, who... Tavares, let, let's just say this. Tavares is not incredibly f- physical right but i think that he has enough speed that he can make a ball turn into a 50 50 because he has that type of recovery but this was now the in hindsight was actually a, a genius move by jj it was a uh well i guess we got to give the guy credit at first i i i think i was like everybody else here um just questioning the move. And I thought it was just Nuno Tavares uh, playing there at the left back. Then I saw that Grimaldo was pushed up a bit. It's just, it's kind of funny though, that Everton going into this match had only been rested, what, two or three games all, uh, all season. And then one of the biggest games of the year and uh, he's on the, uh, the bench there. But uh, for those that have been criticizing JJ's uh, tactics and not changing it up, you got to, uh, you got to tip your cap uh, off off to him and uh uh too many of these battles in the past we've been uh losing on the uh tactic or we've lost the tactics battle uh when it comes to Kunsisan whether it was with Lodge or with Vitoria so it was good to see it um uh, JJ switch it up and uh we come out on the other side of the uh, tactics battle that way yeah Cristiano defend first and my opinion on 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 Everton and Walshmitt uh, was that with Porto having played 120 minutes against Nacional uh, on either, was it Tuesday that they played against the Nacional, I felt that JJ maybe was saving those guys for that late second half explosion when the Porto guys are, are running out of gas. Uh, but certainly Benfica held their own. 
Yeah. And, and you know, uh, JJ always has a trick up his sleeve, as I mentioned before. And and I, I thought when you were asking me about my reaction, you weren't asking me about tactically. So I answered about my reaction to, to what he did. But to answer it in another way, uh, the more we looked at it, and then as you start seeing Nana, um, what's his name? Nanu, Nana, whatever his name is, the right back that they got from Maritimo. That, that dude's got wheels on him, and he's burned Benfica on multiple occasions while playing at Maritimo. You got Corona, who we know that the dude's – definitely a speedster and he's got tricks up his sleeve the guy is just a magician with the ball at his feet and then you got the physicality and the speed of a marega and so when you sit back and you think about um that the inclusion of Tavares a left back and, and, and moving Grimaldo up it starts to make sense the only question the only doubt that I you know you start to have even though you understand the logic behind it is can Grimaldo really play a left back you know what I mean is he the type of guy that's going to be able to give you what you need on the offensive end. Is he going to have the wheels to do that and the creativity to do that? And obviously he answered the answer to that call by, by, by getting on the score sheet. But, you know, JJ, once again, uh, he was able to quiet those guys out. He mentioned on a press game in a post game press conference that I think he was being a little bit sarcastic. Like, you know, today, no, 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 Corona. And look, his goal, obviously his intention they accomplished. They accomplished whatever his intention was, and that's exactly what Benfica did. Um, and I think it worked out well for for all parties involved. Like Dave mentioned, Everton had only been rested one game, and what was it, 22 or 23 or 23, 24, something like that, some crazy stat. And I thought when he did come in, I thought he was fresh. I thought thought he played well. He was he was he was um, able to 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 create a couple of scoring opportunities himself. I just thought it was it was one of those well-rounded games. But I think the most important thing was the attitude and the physicality. And I thought David, uh, not David, Nun Tavares. I thought he brought that. And I thought from the very first minute when he came in on that foul from behind on on Corona, they had a message to send. And his physicality was much needed for a game like this, especially when Benfica had the intentions that they had. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that uh, I think that's what impressed people the most was that we were able to match that physicality. And I got to be honest, um, I didn't watch the game live because I was working. When I got home, my wife, who is a Porto fan, but she probably might not be able to name an 11, a starting 11 for Porto. She said, Benfica is just Benfica is being very physical. Benfica só está acostada. And when she said that to me, and obviously I'd been listening to the lot, when she said that to me, it brought a smile to my face because I felt that, here we go. Now you know, taste your own medicine. And that was that was great. I thought that Tavares, he had, he had the right message. Uh, I was super surprised with the way PT came out to play. Also, PT was was usually a, a, a softy and a guy that doesn't doesn't really get into a lot of uh, scuffles or physical or, or you know goes in for for hard tackles he was in it man and i think that Stan, you and i were, were were talking about this how much uh, of this attitude do you think um was brought on by louisan's speech at the end of the super cup game in which i think that he appealed to the players pride uh and in terms of uh you know do you like losing these games do you like losing like this how much do you think carried to the fact that the players said next time this is not going to happen? Yeah, I, I think Luizão might have set the tone. Obviously, when you see a guy that's been at the club for as many years as Luizão has and, and, and he's getting that passion, that emotional about things, I think players, um, you know, obviously take interest and they pay attention to it. And then 
JJ, he just, you could tell this was something that was worked from inside the locker room, a specific message. He wanted these guys to be physical, and they did exactly what was asked of them. And, and, and most importantly, man, we've all been here on the podcast, Dave, you, myself, for, for God knows how long, asking for this team to show up with a pair of balls and fight fire with fire. And that's exactly what they did. We just wanted a performance like this, regardless of the score. I know. I've had some people criticizing on Twitter. You guys write like you win. Some Benfica's like, oh, I see the Benfica's is acting like, you know, you got we won the game. It was one. I don't think, at least on my on my behalf, I didn't see anyone um celebrate the result. I don't I didn't, I didn't see anybody being happy about going into the go and drawing Porto one one. What I did see was a lot of people very excited and, and enthusiastic, right? And and just I think in, 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 in all, just like I was, that this team was actually the one that was being the bully this time around. Often I come here on a podcast, Alfredo, and I tell you, Porto goes into your house, they open your fridge, eat your chicken, you know, sm smash your wife on the way out and do what they have to do, right? And, and, and where Bifika comes in and asking, can I go in your fridge? And like this time I think Bifika went into their kitchen and they smashed everything in sight. Um, and it's just, this is the attitude that we've asked for. It was as if the players were just passive. We'd come here on a podcast and not know what to say half the time. Like, uh, what a, what a, what a dismal performance. Like, man, these guys, like, you know, bro, can we, and, and we finally got it. And on top of it against our biggest rivals in their house. So, um, if you recall, Alfredo, when we talked after that, 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 that super cup, that super tasa loss, I said to you, man, I'm hoping that playing against these guys and seeing seeing their dirtiness and seeing the, the, the you know the cry babies they cry from minute one that this you know inspires these guys and instills some hatred towards these guys that the next time they play that they go in there and fight like men remember i told you that we had yeah. that conversation and it's exactly what we got man i i couldn't believe my eyes i could not believe that this is a big thing as you mentioned peasy peasy pushing peppy around you know what i mean like in the first game we talked about it so much darwin is you know getting smacked around by pep and a minute later he's lifting him up off the ground it just looked like benfica was was intimidating someone and this time i think benfica went in there to intimidate themselves and i think they did a hell of a job and i find it absolutely hysterical that porto's crying about all these physicality you know the, the too much too too many you know harsh entradas when they're the ones with the clear clear red card that was to break otamendi Okay, by by Taremi. That's a play that I don't know how he got one game. I don't understand how with the league, whoever runs the league, did, you know, decided that one game was sufficient uh, to serve. Because, I mean, you think about it, two yellows is one game. This should have been at least at the very least two games. At the very least, straight red should be always more than one than two yellow cards. But they came in. They, they're always the nasty. And now they're the ones putting out videos of, you know, hard plays. I'm like, Why don't they put out the other, the ones in return? What about Sergio Oliveira clipping uh, PZ from behind? You know, what about all these other plays in the game? How about they put out both and let's just see. It's it just to me, this this cries, you know, childness. That's exactly what these guys, what these guys are, children. They used to getting everything their way. Um, and, and it's fun. I mean, as a Benfica, I sat there yep. laughing. So I loved Alfredo, Dave. I loved the fireworks after the game between JJ and uh and such so my boy JJ's back. This is what we've been asking for. JJ is back now. Let's hope he keeps this up. Conceição asked for it also. 
Uh, and apparently that conversation had to do with the fact that Sergio Conceição revealed to the media that he had had a, converse, a, a, a phone call with JJ uh, and he revealed the, you know, the fact that he had asked JJ to be more alive. Uh, and I think that JJ took that to heart from what the record says. I don't know how, how much of that is true or not, uh, but certainly uh, JJ had, had something saved up for Conceição. Um, and I think like Stiano said, look, it's, uh, It's not the result that we wanted to get by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I think that even when the team has a bad day and they play shitty, um, when you see attitude, when you see sweat, when you see blood, when you see tears from players, when they leave everything on the field, it, you kind of walk away. And at least I, I used to. Uh, I used to walk away from the field and I used to feel good about, you know, what it transpired because I knew that I gave up my all. And I think that these players have to be happy with the fact uh, that they left everything. Uh, they didn't get the win, obviously, but I, I think that maybe this is a hurdle here that uh, that they they're going to get past uh, mentally. Um, anyway, great play by uh, Grimaldo Tavares and Seferovic in, in uh and Grimaldo, Grimaldo, Tavares and Seferovic with Grimaldo putting away uh, the ball for the one-up in the 17th minute. Porto came back in the 25th minute and, and tied the game. Darwin had a chance in the 29th minute where he, uh, we were just talking about as before we came on, that he was in, actually in, inside the penalty mark. It was like Cristiano was saying, like he was like two feet in from the penalty mark and, and he probably did the hardest thing was, was to hit the upright. Uh, so we, we could have, you know, sent the, the game into the half in, in a whole different, um, in a whole, a whole different tone. But, uh, you know, you, as a Benfica, you have to be happy with everything that transpired in, in the first half. I thought that uh, Benfica played well, that intensity again uh, is going to open up a lot of doors and it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for you when you match the intensity. Uh, and then you got the, the, the skilled players to go along with it. Um, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was great. Uh, I thought that Benfica won a lot of head balls. I thought that Benfica players were getting to a lot of second balls. And this is something that we didn't see in the Super Cup, that we came here and, and spoke about how, how poor the performance was, how disinspired the performance was, how the players lacked uh, motivation, how the players didn't have pride for, to wear the Benfica shirt when they play against these Porto players. And look, this is just what the doctor ordered. Um, so as a Benficaista, I'm happy with the attitude. Uh, I'm not happy with the result, obviously. But when you look at the past history that we've had, uh, and still we didn't, we, after five games, we still haven't beaten Porto. When you look at the past history, you got to leave this game or you got to walk away from this game with a good feeling about what happened in this game. Um, second half wasn't uh, much different uh, than that. Uh, I thought that... Uh, Uh, and Dave will, is going to give some stats, but I thought that Benfica really, uh, I don't want to say bossed because it wasn't a total domination, but I thought that Benfica had the upper hand for most of the second half also. Um, again, I thought the substitutions were perhaps a little a little late uh, and coming in. I thought that if he puts in Everton uh, earlier, I think that Everton is able to to do some damage. He, he did. He had a, a nice move there in the what 10 minutes they was on the field. 
Uh, but I really thought that uh, that Everton could have made a difference. And also Walshmit, uh, JJ's explanation at the end of the uh, at the end of uh, the game was that he needed guys to be in the box because uh, there was a lot of crosses going into the box, and he didn't f- feel that uh, Walshmit was the guy to be in the uh, in at that time while Bifiga was still serving up boxes, uh, oh, serving up balls into the box. Um, what else? Uh, I don't know. Dave, thoughts on the game, man? Besides uh, the physicality, what were some of the things that uh, you, you take away from this game? Yeah, I th- you got to uh, definitely touch up on the uh, physicality of this match, and just it was such a breath of fresh air. Just uh, me personally watching this team go with that that fighting uh, mentality against uh, one of our, our bitter rivals, who have just absolutely walked all over us the uh, last uh, four meetings. So. Um, after that match, of course, like you, you've said, we didn't get the three points, which is why we always play this game. But seeing the uh, fight in this team left me uh, really excited to see what the second half of this season is going to uh, bring. Because if that this is, as Chris uh, said, if this is the return of our, our old JJ that uh, we've been uh, waiting for this uh, whole season, league's got to the rest of the league's got to be put on uh, on a watch out because uh, if Benfica comes like this every single week, watch out. And I was really impressed with um, what I, I saw there. We definitely were not um, oppor- uh, We definitely did not capitalize on the amount of chances that we uh, created and should have buried uh, some of those chances, like you uh, said with Darwin. But overall, just a, a breath of fresh air compared to the uh, crap that we've been watching uh, with this exact same squad uh, last couple of weeks. Cristiano, does this attitude and the aggressiveness provide a template to next matchups against Porto? <sighs> I'm afraid not just Porto, but I think this should be the template for every match going forward. I mean, you got a very important game tomorrow, tomorrow against Sporting Braga. That should be the attitude. Then you have, uh, hopefully, you win that game and then you face Sporting. Uh, attitude, you face Nacional and Sporting. I mean, this is the way Benfica should always play. I think um, for the majority of, of us, or for the majority of Benficistas in the world, uh, yeah. The, re- the the result is important, but I think a lot of times if we were to put in that shift like we put in this weekend at the Dragon, I think all of us would be content because a lot of times we come on here and we just, you know, they're lackadaisical or even into, the, you know, we, we ask all these dumb questions because the players seem like they, they'd rather be anywhere else but in the field at that time playing for Benfica. And so I think if you can apply the same intensity, the same attitude, the same fight, the same physicality in every game. I think Benfica will be well served, and uh, and we get a lot of positive results. And we we'd all be here sitting smiling at the end of the season with with a couple of Kanekus in our lap, if not all three of them. Yeah, and and look, I know that this is a game that uh, that is always under special circumstances, right? A clásico is a clásico. Um, you often throw away. Uh, every team's form coming into these these games because it's such a it's such a, a unique uh, game in terms of uh, the matchups, the the intensity, um, but but certainly the attitude well, that off the field, the buzz, the media, everything. It's just it, yeah, it's, the, high, the, the the spotlight is on this matchup when 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 the classico between Porto and Benfica happens in Portugal. So yeah, I'm with you. For everything is is you know to the next degree. Yeah, and, and let me ask you this, Cristiano, and I just thought about, about this. Um, 
Do you think with a packed uh, stadium, uh, we have the same attitude? Um, yeah, I mean, I like to think so. I like to think so. As we mentioned, Luis Zong, uh, with his reaction after that loss, right? I think JJ and I think a lot of the guys were embarrassed. Uh, I think they've heard the fans. They, these guys all have social media. They see fans, obviously not as many nowadays on the streets as as in, you know, in years prior uh, because of COVID when you go to restaurants and stores, but they still hear the fans. They, they, they're tuned, they're tuned into social media and they know that the fans were fed up with this. And again, that performance against, against Porto in the Super Tassa, maybe that little fire up that he, under these guys' asses that yeah, no matter what, I think, I think that the, the attitude was going to be the same. And I think with fans, I think it would have been, you know, triple. I think it would have been that much more exciting to see our Benfica fans in the state. I, trust me, I've been, I was in the stadium. I was in the stadium the last time Benfica beat Porto. Um, and, and no matter what the Porto crowd tried to do to drown, drown out the Benfica crowd, it just, there was no way they couldn't. They couldn't, you know, the, the 2,500 Benficistas in the top left, uh, in the top of the stadium, uh, top left, if you're looking at it from the TV camera, um, they they just I mean they try to pump the music even after the game and I think the Bifiquistas are singing louder than 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 the whole surround system so I I think it would have just it would have been great and this is this is what we've all wanted man I think the players themselves probably felt great after the game because they delivered something that everyone wanted so badly so we've been asking for this for you know since last season really since well this attitude for a very long time. But you know, we lost all three games last season. Then this year, the first one. I think this is, you know, uh, about goddamn time that we got this attitude and this effort from our guys. Yeah, look, uh, I think that under normal circumstances, a tie at the Dragon is not a bad result, not by any means of the imagination. But Dave, how much do you think? And considering that we're, we're four points back from from Sporting, uh, coming off four straight wins versus Porto. Uh, and now being able to at least keep Porto at bay, and then also under, knowing that Sporting had tied their game, how much do you think this result also relieves some of the pressure uh, that the team has been feeling from the fan base? Uh, I don't know, because it could be JJ playing it, playing with the media, but he said, as uh, like we discussed here, we lost two points ultimately with this, this result, right? And we could have uh, closed the gap um between uh us and sporting and made it a, a two-point gap compared to the four that's currently there right now but um i don't think the players should feel should have any uh added pressure on it i feel i feel like it was a good uh if you want to call it moral victory going in uh going into a a place that especially last year it seemed like that's where it all started to fall apart after the uh the 3-2 uh, result at the Dragao uh, last season. So maybe it's uh it's a way for them to exercise some uh, past demons. And like I said, I'm, I'm really interested uh, and intrigued to see how this team is going to respond now for the uh, second half of the season going forward. I mean, Alfred, all things being equal, one, one draw at the Dragao is a good, is a good scoreline, but they weren't equal. Benfica did play 20 um, something minutes up a man. And so, I mean, when you take that into consideration, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm with JJ and I'm with anybody who says we lost two points rather than, you know, yeah. uh, gain a point because of that, because of that one. We, we had opportunities and I still don't think we were as efficient as we could have been, as we should have been up a man. Um, and it seems like this team, 
I don't know. I don't know what it is, but they don't see it's the next thing now that we're complaining, right? We're complaining that this team had this mental block when it came to Porto. Now it seems like this team, when they're up a man against Porto, they don't, you know, I, I, I didn't think they were as good as they could have been. I, I thought the other part of the game when they were 11 be 11, I thought Benfica was better. That's just, yeah, they had more possession, but possession doesn't always translate into chances and into creating dangerous plays. So um, looking at it that way, I think Benfica did drop two points. Yeah, but in looking at, you know, and this is something that, we, that we've often talked about here in, in terms of um, the time that JJ has, has had with, with this team. Um, I wanted to, to ask you, Chris, um, the fact that we went for something that was completely dreamed up, not dreamed up, but planned out by JJ, uh, and it worked well, to a point, right? Because working perfectly would have been come out with the three points. But is this something that validates the work that's being done being done up until this point? And do you feel that this is a, a game where the players look back on and what they were able to accomplish and now they're buying into the JJ system? I think what it validates is, is the JJ lovers Uh, who have spent the last five, six months uh, defending the guy and saying that, well, look, we understand that we're giving up goals like, like you know, like you know, a bucket with, with, with a hole in it. But the fact is, it's COVID. The fact is, these guys barely practice. It's, you know, play a game, you rest the game, you rest the day, you get another day prepared to play the game the very next day. You're playing a game every three days. And we all, regardless if you're a JJ lover, you're a JJ hitter, you, 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 you all understood. And we all, we all looked at Benfica leaking goals in the back as, as something that's not ordinary under, under JJ. And so what it does is validate that when JJ has the time to implement his system and to work with his team, that, you know, he gets positive results. I understand in his history, he doesn't have the, He doesn't have such great results when playing against Porto or going into the Dragon, but it just this team seems like it, it, it needs more time at the practice field with JJ. And I think the players will look at this game. Obviously, that decision to play Tavares and to play Grimaldo and leave the likes of Everton on the bench and stuff. I'm pretty sure guys in the locker room probably looked around and said, what's going on here? But after that performance, as you mentioned, I think the guys will start to believe that, you know what, maybe this coach knows knows a thing or two about football. Maybe we need to start paying attention a little bit more. So I, I see this as a positive in both ways. Do you think this system is here to stay or is it situational or do you think it's a preclude to go into the three defender setup with Grimaldo up more on the field? Uh, I, I mean, I, it, it might be, but I think in this one instance, this one instance, I think it just, it happened to be the matchup. It happened to be, uh, you know, the form that the teams were coming in. It just happened to be that Porto was being dominant with that side of the field. I mean, Fika needed help for reasons you mentioned before. Uh, but, you know, you, you might be onto some with the pre, you know, because Verissimo is coming um, and you might just, you might just see them implement a three defender system. We'll see. But I think in time will tell. One thing we've, we've seen from JJ throughout his, his track record is that, You know, you can't really look at the decisions he makes in big games and take much from that because the guy is always, as we mentioned, he's always inventing something here or there. But, you know, most of the time he sticks to what uh, what his system is. He sticks to his players. But when it comes to a big game like this, Alfredo, he likes to tinker with, tinker with things. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. And in this time, I think it worked out that, you know, 
the uh, Grimaldo scoring a goal, Benfica coming away with a positive result, obviously. Um, not losing their fifth in a row to Football Club Porto. I think that's that's you know something that's always going to be a little chip on the shoulders for these players and hopefully motivate these guys going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as I mentioned, a result that doesn't let Porto get away. Uh, and also, we were fortunate that the fact that uh, Sporting tied their game. So, basically, everything stayed the same uh, for, for all uh for all three teams, uh, Braga is probably the the one team that could have capitalized on it, but they lost to Passo Ferreira, so they couldn't even uh, make up any ground uh, to uh, Porto and Benfica. So uh, that's that. But uh, look, attitude, effort, and, and, and fearlessness is is what you you can ask. So so thank you, thank you to the team, thank you to the players for for finally leaving it all on the field. Uh, 1-1 result goal by Grimaldo, as, uh, as I mentioned. Dave, numbers on this game, dude. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it was uh, if it was on last week's podcast or it was after the podcast, but Chris had asked uh, when was the last time uh, a Porto player got a, a red card uh, at the Dragão against Benfica. But uh, that came in uh, 2011, uh, Fucile uh, against Benfica, but that was a, a double yellow uh, and this was the first straight red that a Porto uh, player received uh, since 2005 in a, in a Classico against uh, Benfica at the Dragão. And that was uh, by Bruno Alves uh, back in 2005. So red cards aren't being dished out uh, to Porto players against Benfica, uh, especially uh, up north there. But uh, it was also the first time Benfica scored against Porto since their 2-1 victory back in 2019. And uh, the physicality, this was the uh, most fouls Benfica committed in the uh, past three seasons with uh, 26 fouls uh, committed. Yeah, and I think the, the, the fouls really speak to uh, the intensity of Benfica's, uh, Benfica's players. Um, I uh, thought that... Yes and no, Alfredo. Sorry to cut you off, but yes and no. Because you, you breathe on a Porto player and he falls to the floor screaming and it's a foul. Like the one play, if you guys recall, the one play where where, where PZ wound up getting the only yellow card of the game uh, that he got, the one where he pushed Pepe and Pepe went flying. On that play, I want you guys, I don't, I don't care what club you support, watch that video. Tell me where in the world was the foul that PZ committed on, on, on Sergio Oliveira when he fell down. What, there was no foul. There was no contact. And the guy fell to the ground. The referee calls a foul. Anytime a Porto player fell, it was a foul. That's all it was. So you're right, Alfredo. Their physicality, their intensity led to them committing more fouls. But every time Porto player fell to the ground, I mean, for Christ's sake, can we watch a football match? They kept throwing themselves on the floor. And I'm not being a Benfica. You said watch the game. If you're sitting there and you don't root for either team and you're watching that game, you're you're wondering what, what the hell's going on here? Every time it's just a whistle after Portuguese league needs to do a better job of implementing referees where they actually let players play in Portugal. It's so easy for players to get a foul call. They just fall, drop to the freaking ground and it's yeah. a foul. It's and I think a, go watch yeah. that play, watch that play and tell me if that's a foul. Yeah. And look, I, I think that once, um, once there's a concerted effort by the referees uh, and the league uh, to be able to, uh, do away with this little the little fouls and players throwing themselves on the ground. I mean, take a take a page off uh, the EPL. I mean, I'm sure all these referees are watching the EPL games. Once these referees take a stand 
and decide that from now on, we're not going to call these little stupid files. Then all of a sudden, now you're conditioning teams to understand that every time you get blown on, if you fall, it's not going to get called. And the fact that you gave up on a play may actually give an advantage to the other team. Uh, so I think that it, it, the league has to do a better job. And, and oftentimes the league uh, wants to, to promote the Vira Malta or whatever that song is that they like to, to sing at the, at the half promoting the, the league, etc. If you want to promote the league, try to improving on the uh, active, uh, what is it? The, the active play time for these games. Uh, not the, 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 not the time that the ball is out of bounds or guys are, 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 are being attended to, or guys are rolling around on the floor. Try to promote the league that way, make it attractive, make it so that, uh, that people have find joy in watching the game that not every two seconds, somebody's on the floor and the foul's getting called. It's just not good for the spectacle of the game. Uh, so if the league wants to do something, they should start with the, with the referees in the way that, uh, that they control the game and that they could allow things to happen, that uh, there's no malice and in bad intent behind it. Uh, I think the league needs to do a better job. And that starts with uh, telling the referees, this is the way you got to call a game. Uh, so uh, it is what it is, right? It's famous last words. It is what it is. Um, anyway, as I mentioned, uh, an important uh, result for Benfica, not the result that we wanted, but still, uh, it's something that uh, that hopefully we could build on. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to Braga's uh, game tomorrow because I want to see what kind of attitude the team comes onto the field. And if it's just you puff out your chest against the big bad wolf and the rest of the way, you're just a, a little red riding hood uh, against the rest of the teams. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see that. But before we get into that game, uh, they've huge COVID news out of Portugal today and i know that uh, you got you got some some notes here let's go through that yeah so uh like i uh, mentioned off the top there after the uh positive mental high of uh the portal game uh, a little bit of coming back down to earth with uh, 17 new uh covid cases uh announced uh within the uh, benfica squad technical staff um, coaching staff, um, some of the names uh, included are uh, Schilberto, Vertonghen, Grimaldo, Diogo Gonzalves, Waldschmidt, our, uh, our holy president, uh, Luis Felipe Vieira, uh, Luizão, and uh, J- JJ's uh, right-hand man, Juan de Deus. Yeah. Isn't it a second time around for Luizão? Uh, I don't know about that. No, he broke his arm the, the first Oh, that's true. Yeah, we broke. That's his true. Arm. Yeah, they had some some kind of a, a problem, but I thought he had had uh, had had COVID. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, Luis Fleetfieta positive. JJ uh, had been uh, isolated. Uh, he took a second COVID test and came out negative. So uh, there was already talk that Vrissim was going to take over this team uh, against Braga and uh, holy God. Uh, but certainly uh, JJ will be on the bench. I don't know how much of a support staff will be on the bench because it seems that out of those uh, 17 cases, at least uh, uh, 12 of them are um, with the technical staff uh, and the mental coach included, Evandro Mota, 
so certainly a, a huge blow for Benfica in terms of COVID. But um, th- there's been a, a little bit of a, a conspiracy, and and I think that it, now it's it, it's taken a little bit more of a, a real. Um, real news uh, when you consider everything that's uh, that's come out. And I'll explain. Right. So Benfica didn't really have that many COVID cases um, until uh, we played Porto for the Supertasa. And after that, there was a couple of guys, three or four guys that contracted COVID after that game. Porto then went and played Guimarães. After that, Guimarães players, there was three, four, or five players from Kimaranj that came down. So the biggest thing, uh, or, or what people were talking about, was that the tests that Porto players were taking that were uh, performed at Unilabs, and Unilabs, uh, I don't know this with certainty, but Unilabs is owned by a son of somebody in a Porto structure. I'm not completely sure who it is so the whole conspiracy theory was that the labs were disguising those tests and so that Porto players could be on a field and play and as a result they were infecting other players now Tiago Pinto on his last interview before he left to Italy he did mention that there were teams in Portugal that were hiding their COVID tests I don't know who he was referring to but certainly with the talk about Porto, he most likely was talking about Porto. Let's see here, either near nor there. Now, a new wrinkle to the story. Uh, Sporting players went through COVID tests. Their their tests were sent to this Unilab, and apparently uh, Sporar and Nunmenj uh, came up positive. Then they decided that there were false positives, but those players had already been prevented from playing against Riwav. And then when the false positives came, Porto cried foul for today's game, saying that if Sporting were to play those two players today, there would be attack on, on public health. The fact that those players came up positive, even though there were negatives, there were false positives, I should say. Um, so there's this whole thing circling, and it all ties into Unilabs, uh, which, as I mentioned, there's some ties to Porto there. And then there's the the outbreaks within Benfica after the Super Cup. There's the outbreaks within the Guimarães team after they played Porto. So take it for what it is, but, but certainly this is taking a bit of a, a turn that really borders on the the illegality of the issues, whatever. Take it forward what, what you can, but the fact of the matter is that Varandas, Sporting's president, Varandas, has come out publicly today after the game and said that they're going to be pros- uh, uh, they're going to sue the lab uh, or, or put them in court for for some for whatever happened with the false positives that. More to come, I'm sure. Uh, so take it for, for what it is. But certainly uh, the situation in, in, in Portugal, and I don't mean to, to get off a little bit of uh, off topic here, but certainly the situation in Portugal is the worst that has ever been. I think that today they had the most numbers of debt at 214 um, by capita, by million. 
Uh, Portugal is one of the worst countries in the world with the ratio of dead people. Um, it doesn't seem that the population is 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 taking this very serious. Um, the restrictions that were lifted off uh, for Christmas and New Year's uh, backfired on uh, on the government, and and now Portugal is faced with with the crisis in their health system. Fine, um, all of that is happening. So the fact that now football teams, uh, regardless of how much care they take and how much they, they how much they go through to protect their players. Um, the fact of the matter, if the country is that bad, I don't think any football team or any player uh, is going to be able to escape the, the, the harsh reality that's going on today uh, or these days in, in Portugal and, and for most of, of the country. So this doesn't surprise me that we see cases. Um, I didn't expect to see 17 cases within uh, within uh uh, Benfica's uh, structure and, and squad. Uh, so it, it kind of makes you wonder what what is going on? Is there some shitty shit going on here that we don't know about and that's causing all these cases? 17 cases is is the most I've heard for for any club in the Portuguese league. Yeah, I mean, like, you don't need to have your uh, tinfoil hat on and, and uh, to believe in this conspiracy uh, theory, if that's what you want to uh, to call it. I think there's a lot of facts there, and it's just about lining, uh, lining the dots uh, together. And, um, of course, right after uh, the game uh, against Porto, I believe they then announced that they had about three or four players that uh came out positive after the uh the the classical as well so yeah. um, i don't know if these were tests that were performed after the uh the match or if these were tests that were yeah. done before the match and that were only released to the public after the fact but um i've already got into a couple of heated uh discussions about this with uh Porto family members of mine, and we still haven't talked over uh, a week after this uh, this conspiracy theory that uh, I brought up to them. But well, uh, I think you just need to connect the dots. The 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 uh, the facts are all there. Yeah, up until this point, they Porto had only had I, I they had one isolated case, uh, and then they had two recently, and one was Claudio Ramsch which is the third string goalkeeper. And the other one was Carassa, who I don't think he's ever even seen minutes for Porto this year. So, all right, well, since they're downing us, let's just throw some names out there and obviously guys that are non-influential. But now all of a sudden you got Sergio, Sergio whatever his name is, um, Sergio Oliveira. One, how could I forget Oliveira? But you got Sergio Oliveira and some something significant to the point that Porto didn't even feel that they should be playing this game. So, Cristiano, what's your take on this? all of this thing? <laughs> uh, I think it's um, interesting, <clears throat> but I, I don't have any facts in front of me. And so this is, you know, um, like connecting the dots. Total, uh, tons of speculation, but the only thing I'll say is this, <clears throat> without any facts in front of me, is that... Um, Nothing in Portuguese football surprises me nowadays. Especially coming from up north. I'm just going to leave it at that. Nothing in Portuguese football surprises me nowadays. Yeah. Anyway, tomorrow is another day. And tomorrow we come up against uh, Braga and Liria in uh, the second semifinal of this League Cup uh, 
extravaganza, or as the the league likes to promote it. Uh, 7.45 local time in Liria, as I, as I mentioned. Dave, what's, uh, what's Braga up to these uh, these days? They've already beaten Benfica once this season. Yep, already beat us uh, once at, at home. Uh, they're currently in fourth with uh, 27 points from nine wins, five losses, uh, five points behind Benfica, nine points behind Sporting. And uh, like you mentioned, they failed to make up... Uh, some ground on us uh, last week and with our loss against Pash Freire. Uh, Benfica's record against Braga in this uh, this newer tournament, one win, one draw, and the one loss came in penalties uh, back in 2013. Yeah, in November, a 3-2 result for, for Braga at Stadio Luz. Uh, Braga were up 3-0 at the 63rd minute, and then Seferovic ended up uh, getting two, but it was too little too late, and we ended up uh, losing... Uh, that game, uh, as you mentioned, last two uh, that last two matches that the team that both teams have played, Braga has won uh, as one of them both at Stade Luz. Um, Braga is also not tied a game this year. Um, I don't know if it's an interesting fact or not. I just felt that uh, that that was interesting on my part. Braga coming off that loss against Pas Freire, uh, Braga is expected to be at. Uh, at full strength after having some guys out uh, through COVID too. And I think maybe it was right after the, they played Porto, if I'm not mistaken. I would have to, <laughs> I would have to check that out. I'm not completely sure. But uh, yeah, Braga had, um, had some guys missing in the, in the defense. But uh, I think, uh, I don't know if I could equate that to uh, playing Porto. Uh, the pregame, Benfica has been in such a, a state of disarray and, and high alert that... Uh, uh, they've asked the, the DGS or, or Direção Geral de Saúde or the, uh, Portugal's official uh, health ministry um, to see if they, could, uh, if they could just pause everything for 14 days uh, and I think, or, or not even play this competition. And I think that the DGS uh, reverted back to the league to make that decision. Uh, and obviously no decision fr- came from the league. So Benfica will play. Um, JJ, there was no pre- pre- pre-game press conference that was canceled as a result of everything that's uh, going on. Uh, referee for t- tomorrow's match, Fabio Verissim, um, has been uh, nominated. Cristiano, what Player? do you... Huh? Player? No. Sorry. That's Luke, that's 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 Lucas. The coach is Nelson. The ref is Fabio. I think there used to be a Fabio Verissimo though. Back, I think he signed with Benfica back. For those of you listening, there was a Verissimo that signed. Um, I don't know, ten years ago. He's an international player, but we'll talk about that. No, soon. that Verissimo was the coach. No, it's not that one. Is it? Yes. Okay. Well, I gotta check if that's look him. up. Uh, look it up. is what it is. Mr. Guy, <laughs> look up, uh, look up, uh, Nelson Verissimo on zero zero and look at his playing career. Yeah, 95, 96, four appearances for the senior squad. No, that's not the guy. This is later. No, this is 2000. It's another Verissimo. It's yeah, a yeah. lot of Verissimos. I'll look him up while you, uh, right. Um, Dave, what, 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 do you, what are you thinking going into this game? Do you think, obviously, this, this dark cloud of COVID is going to be one of the main talking talking points, but what, do you, what else are you expecting from this game? 
hopefully the team can try to uh, turn this dark cloud into a positive and it's something that they can uh, rally behind and uh, play for uh, play for the players that aren't going to be able to uh, participate in this uh, this match. Uh, when I first uh, saw the uh, the news this morning, I uh, was not feeling um, optimistic about how how we were even going to be able to to field a team with all these. Uh, when they first said seventeen, and the news kept trickling in on what players were uh, infected, but um, I think they just got to use it as a as a rallying point and. and um hate to say it but it is what it is and they gotta just keep moving forward if the league isn't going to postpone the uh this this tournament or postpone any uh games going forward they just need to rally around the players that are able to uh to play and uh stick to their game plan as much as possible yeah Walt Schmidt will be missing easily not easily but replaceable by Gonzalo Ramos or or uh Seferovic uh Vertonghen um will be replaced by the Jardel Arferro, Diogo Gonçalves, Gilberto and Grimaldo. Now that's that's where the, the problem comes in there. So Gilberto, who had been uh, picking up some regular time at right back, won't be available. The guy that's been subbing in for him, Diogo Gonçalves, is also not going to be available. Looks like we're going to João Freire uh, for that. And on the left, uh, Tavares, who, had, uh, who has already had COVID this year, Uh, he will most likely be playing on the left. Everton, who is not COVID positive, but is in isolation because his wife is infected. Um, I'm not sure whether or not he's going to be available for this game, but if he's in isolation because his wife is uh, is infected, most likely is quarantining. Uh, and they're seeing what's going to happen. So I don't even think that he's going to be available for this game, but Pedrinho is available. Rafa, uh, Servi is not available. Um, Servi, who's been talked about, uh, rumored to be moving to uh, NYCFC um, before the window shuts down. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I think it, it's going to be interesting to see how what who Benfica feels and if Benfica can, with that many changes, give continuity to what they did at the Dragão in terms of uh, intensity, in terms of uh, of play. Uh, but um, you know, um, you know, uh, Carvalhal always has something uh, up his sleeve. So uh, we'll just uh, we'll just have to, have to find out. But I'm I'm looking forward to another game that's going to test where Benfica is at this point of the season, uh, and obviously looking for a build up after that Porto game, because if Benfica can't build on that Porto game, then that Porto game is kind of leaves you a little bit with, uh, with an empty feeling. Cristiano, you find the guy yet? No, I can't find it. it might, it might be Nelson Verissimo, but I thought it was, man, it looked, I thought it was in, in the two thousands. Uh, let's get Ricardo Antunes on the case. There's a Verissimo that's like, and he had to retire because of something. He had to retire early. He retired in his 20s. That's what I'm saying. He retired and he became a coach. No, it's not this guy because this guy, Nelson Verissimo, played all the way through 2012. Uh, played Fatima. No, this is not the guy. The guy I'm talking had to retire early. He was at Benfica. I think he was a left-footed center back. We got him from Riuab. I don't remember. But it was one of those teams. I don't remember now. Uh, but I can't, for some reason, I can't get his name. Um, his name correct, but there was a Verissimo that I, he was on the national team and everything. I just can't right now. I can't get his first really. 
Yeah, yeah. On yeah, the national team? So, Fen- yeah, well. No, yeah, I know who you're talking about. It's, it's, his name is not Verissim. He had a heart problem. He had to retire early. Okay. I don't think his name is Verissim, dude. Uh, but I know exactly he was he was center back and he also played uh, played a left back I think. Yeah, he's a left left footed center back. I forget his name. I forget his name now. I, uh, Just, I I'll come up with it. Um, I think he, they've looked that up. He played under JJ. So look under JJ's name. He came from uh, Riwav. He transferred from Riwav. He was a Benficaista. His, his dream was to play for for Benfica. I can't recall his name right now, but I know who you exactly who you're talking about. But I don't under think under the J the JJ era. His, I think the... he was under the JJ era, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, he was he was a center back that came for Chihuahua. I can't remember his name, but I don't think it was Verissim. Um, I don't know if we could even Google uh, Chihuahua Benfica cardiac problems. See if, see what see what Google comes up with. <laughs> um, a few more tidbits of uh, of information uh, here in terms of uh, of news. Tomas Tavares uh, has been recalled from from Alaves. Uh, he's now going to be uh, in Sunny Algarve uh, on loan at Ferenc uh, for the end of the, until the end of the season. Servi, uh, um, as I mentioned, to NYCFC. Cristiano, what's uh, what's our uh, what's the word from NYCFC? Our friend Keaton is he? Uh, is he do he reveal anything that uh, Servi is going to be joining? No, no, we have Keaton and I have not spoken about that, but I would imagine Keaton is excited to have one of his former teammates as as a teammate here with New York City. Um, all I know is that the, the the previous conversations I've had with Keaton is always that. You know, uh, he just wants the team to get better, regardless of, of where the players come from. But I'm pretty sure he'd be excited uh, to have one of his former teammates with him. Dave, who was Fabio it? Fabio Faria? Ah, that's the guy. I don't know why I kept you had retired Fa- you at 23. You had Fabio. You had the Fabio, right? Yeah, that's the guy, Fabio Faria. Yeah, all right, whatever. I, <laughs> yeah, are you off, Dave? Yeah. Yep. 23. I remember all that. I just couldn't get the last name. Dave, I had to uh, I had to let you interject on that one because I know there was somebody listening to the podcast in their car and they're yelling at the they're yelling at the at their radio saying Fabio Faria, Fabio Faria. And we're like, we can't remember the name. And somebody's yelling, Fabio Faria. I knew it because I do that all the time. Uh, and good old Google, you told me Benfica will have cardiac, and sure enough, that was the uh, first five articles that uh, came up. So good job on that one. Dude, wow. Google is a wonderful thing. Yeah, I, it must have been the Fabio. I don't know, but I could have sworn it was Barisi. But yeah, Faria, that's I liked him. I liked that kid a lot. It's unfortunate that he, he had the, the problem that he had and he had to retire. But yeah. I know. I had high hopes for him. I like that kid. It was a it was a lifelong dream that he accomplished to to play for uh, for Benfica, and then he had that that misfortune of uh, of having a a problem with his heart, and he had to uh, retire earlier. Um, Cristiano, salve salve to return, <laughs> or there was a rumor that Benfica salve might be interested. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're gonna bring back the all guard. Pretty sure. No, salve. sorry. Saviola, Marcy, Mound, they'll all be dusting off the Yeah. Now, Salvio had mentioned that he was he's making much less. Yeah, you see, he mentioned he's making. I would take Enzo. I'll be on. Enzo's still playing at a very, very high level. Um, and right now, I think he could absolutely help us at that position in the midfield because we, 
We struggle to find an eight that actually plays box to box. that's able to get involved in the offense, but obviously has the work rate to to help out the number six. And right now, I know Weigel had, had, had himself a good game at the that are going. He's had a you know bunch of consecutive good games, and hopefully builds off of this. But uh, Enzo, I think would, would would give Benfica a huge boost for six months. I don't think there's anything to lose with that. Uh, with uh, giving him an opportunity to come aboard. Yeah, no, but I, I don't think I think that uh, Enzo's committed to uh, to River, and uh, and Salvio's committed also to uh, to. He's got a contract. I think he's got a contract now. Yeah, but I think that he's going to uh, he's going to sign. Um, the other one is that uh, Florentino might end up at Valencia from Monaco, um, and I I think that there's a show that we're, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna have you Dave research all these guys that went on loan. I'm talking about Florentino, uh, Jota, Tomas Tavares, uh, the other Tavares kid, not uh, Nelson. Yeah, Jeff. You know, maybe we should uh, research uh, that and see what they've done because, uh, from what I can recall and from what I've read, none of them are are blazing any trails out there. And, and look, it's it's difficult. And when you say, when you clamor, these kids should get more, more playing time and this and that, and JJ doesn't go against these, but now they go to these far inferior teams, right? And they can't even break into the 11. So I think the one that's playing with the most regularity, and, and again, it's 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there. There's nothing out of this world is, is Jota at Valladolid. I, I, don't, I don't recall anyone. I mean, maybe someone's skipping my mind, but the Tavares kids, obviously. I don't even know what David Tavares is doing at Murrens, to be honest with you. Dave, if you could look that up. I have no idea. Last I checked, it was uh, kind of like Jota, but a lot less uh, playing time. But it was coming in as a sub to do uh, 10 minutes here, 10 yeah. minutes there. Very little. It's These guys aren't aren't opening up any eyes and definitely not making anybody look bad at Benfica for loaning them out. I mean, the other kid that everybody's raving about called me crazy is, is your boy Thiago Dantas. Um, they just all these kids have tremendous potential, but for some reason they go to these teams and obviously the Dantas at Bayern Munich. There's no shame in that in not playing at Bayern Munich. And same thing, I guess, to a certain extent with Jetson. Uh the guy that's doing well with a loan, I guess, is Vinicius, right? He scored a couple, scored a hat trick and then well, Alpha Alpha Smith is is has been in the papers a couple times also. I don't even is Alpha Smith still being Fikas? I don't Reading. know. I don't know if he's uh, if he's still Benfica's, but he's I don't even think he's still Benfica's anymore. I think Benfica let him go with the percentage. Same thing, Krovinovic. Krovinovic is, is a player that might be on the move as well. Another guy that everybody wanted back can't play at, at, at West Brom. He? West Brom. Uh, is he? At, yeah, West Brom. That's right. With with Mateus Pereira, it's just these guys. They're having a difficult time. Hey, how's uh, <laughs> how's uh, how's Zivkovic doing at Bulk? Has he played well? Or, he's a star. He got, so he he's the goal. Yeah, he's a star over there, dude. I know. I'm, I'm asking because I'm wondering. Did he just show up that one game and that was it? The rest of the season back no. on the show or he's still playing? He's been That's good for I'm them. Saying. Dave, look him up real quick. before 20, we... 25 appearances, five goals scored for yeah, him. And yeah, he's good, a man. regular starter for him. Yeah, I, was, I mean. Yeah, I'm only talking about Paok, though. No, it's fine. But what, 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 what's, what's Paok? What does that mean? When you say that. Nope, no, he's, he's still Benfica. He's no Paok. It's a Lohanica. <laughs> Está bem, mas os outros também não jogam no Alaves e queriam ser titulares. No, I was, I was, I was, I was paraphrasing Mourinho. Oh, I didn't, I didn't catch that. 
<laughs> anyway, um, that's all we got for this week. Next week we'll be back. We'll recap this um, this Braga game. Also, um, I should mention that if Benfica loses against Braga, they will play their regular season game against Nacional at Stadio Luz this Sunday. Correct, Dave? That's correct. As of uh, right now, no official time because it's uh, still pending this uh, result against Braga. Right. So if we make it past Braga, we got a, a date uh, with with Sporting, which will be the first time we play Sporting this season, and then second matchup coming up at the end of the month. Uh, but first, we got to get past Braga, and that's going to be no easy task for sure. Uh, at ten co ten at eighty seven do eighty seven is where you can find uh, Cristiano and Dave respectively on Twitter at Benfica Podcast, where you can find us. We're all on uh, on that social media stuff except uh, TikTok. We're not on TikTok. Um, but other than that, we're we're all uh, we're all over the place. We're all the over the place. We want is on the field for Benfica. That's it. No tiki Tiki Taka. What was it? What was it? said uh, uh, Tiki Coco or some shit like that. Coco Taka or some shit. It was funny. It was funny. Anyway, thank you very much for checking us out. We'll be back next week. Take care, everyone. Later. Bye. Mm-hmm.